A pleasure to have on VLGA Connect today, the Deputy Electoral Commissioner in Victoria, Liz Williams. Liz, great to see you. You too, Chris. Thanks for having me on board. Thank you for being part of VLGA Connect and to talk about a topic that is obviously top of mind for many people around the local government sector at the moment, and that is the forthcoming elections in October overlay the COVID-19 environment, and there are a lot of concerns and questions about how the elections can be conducted safely, etc. We thought it'd be good to get a, an update from you on where you're at with the process in terms of preparation. Okay. Well, there's a lot of preparation going on, as you'd understand, Chris, and uh, we've been working on these elections probably well over 12 months now, and, and obviously that changed tack a little bit in March when uh, 137 of VEC staff, as with many other organisations, sort of moved to that working, you know, working from home environment. But nonetheless, our, our preparations have continued. Um, obviously, there's a few additional complexities this year with um, new legislation, regulations, which have just been um, made recently, and also that COVID overlay. So um, we're well advanced um, in our preparations and also in terms of uh, the COVID overlay. Um, I, I guess firstly, um, in terms of preparations, we've, we've chunked it a bit. Um, we've now incorporated the changes to the Local Government Act that impact on our procedures and the regulations. We can talk a bit more about what they are later. Um, and also a number of councils have got new structures that have just been finalised. So that also impacts on our, our preparation. So it's great to have all of those clear now. And uh, we've just re-released our service plan um, with those adjustments made. And that's on our website. Councils have got that. And I think we've even sent a copy to VLGA as well. Um, so on top of that, the, the COVID overlay is we're, we're looking at each of our procedures um, uh, very forensically to ensure that all the participants in the election um, can participate safely. And, and one may think a postal election is pretty safe, but nonetheless, there are a number of staff behind the scenes and candidate interactions that we've got to deal with and, and scrutineers, etc. So we're working through each of those very much with... Um, government directions in mind and we've adopted um, I guess the stage three restrictions that applied around 31st of May and, and also again just recently I think it was about 6th of July so that our procedures can uh, be adopted to fit those restrictions I guess so that if there are any further fluctuations we can continue to to operate um, the same model. Yes just on that one you've, you've raised a few things there that I would like to just dig into a little bit deeper but just sure. on that latter one what if uh, we go even further into restrictions such as the the mythical stage four that people are talking about and don't really understand how can you scenario plan for running an election under tighter conditions? Yes, well, we're not knowing exactly what those conditions are. I think stage three are pretty tight from our perspective, um, and that has set up some, some challenges, but uh, nonetheless, we are working very closely, um, you know, with a range of um, uh, uh, people that we get advice from. Um, also watching the advice, um, you know, from DHHS that's coming out and uh, is available to us. So we've established a reference group um, that helps us with some of our decision making around that. And we've got representatives from um, DPC, uh, from Local Government Victoria. We've got a, a, a um, uh, 
a physician, an occupational physician, and we've got a, a program risk person that's overseeing some of the work we're doing in terms of uh, bearing our procedures and what we're putting in place to, to, to manage COVID. Um, I guess if the restrictions are tighter, we'll have to look at that again and see what impact that has and make the necessary adjustments. There must be some uh, advantage in knowing that all councils will be having postal elections, whereas in the past you've had a handful, haven't you, that have still used an attendance model? Yes, much, much simpler from an operational perspective to have all uh, elections with the same model. It makes messaging much easier as well, given that uh, everyone across Victoria has the same sort of uh, election. Yeah. Give us a sense of how much the change of ward structures within councils impact on how you plan and prepare from, for an election. I imagine there's a, a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into any change like that. Oh, that's a really good question, Chris, yes. And, and yes, it does. Um, obviously, a, a single, a single councillor uh, ward model um, has a preferential counting system and those counts are conducted manually. Um, multiple councillor uh, elections have, we use computer counting and, and they're based on the proportional representation system. So it's a different model for, for those elections. So, and often we don't, well, not often, we don't know how many candidates, how many contests we have in, in the different varieties of elections until close of nominations. So we need to be very flexible to be able to adapt our processes from that point onwards. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the other factor there is the number of individual elections. So, you know, this time, I think we had around 250, 260 individual elections in 2016. And we're just under 300 for um, 2020, which means that there are 300 different ballot pack varieties that we have yeah. to uh, assemble and have ready uh, for dispatch in a very short time frame. So you're absolutely right, the, the, the council structures do impact on operations. So um, in terms of uh, engagement with councils, if we can just touch on that for a moment, um, obviously, uh, and, and look, I know this because I've been involved obviously in the past, but many might not think about that interaction between the VEC and the council organisation in setting up your returning officer's office, although they're not called returning officers anymore, are they? But no, they're not. But that infrastructure that you need to put in place, um, how is that going in terms of your liaison with, with each council? Oh, it's going very well, Chris. Um, uh, it's really important that uh, we have a strong partnership with each council and good communication with our, our council clients. Uh, and we've got... Uh, uh, some client liaison officers that have been working with councils already to establish a, a, an election service agreement. It's a bit like a service level agreement with each council. So we, we're all aware of what's being delivered when and who does what, um, etc. And we've just about finalised those, made the final adjustments on those with councils according to those final um, structures that are in place. So that's really important work being driven by our team of client liaison officers. But we also have um, our enrolment teams who are working very closely with council enrolment contacts because uh, the, the role production, as you would be aware, is that merging of the CEO list with the electoral commissioners list. Um, and that work is incredibly important to um, ensure the, uh, the highest quality of, of the role uh, by the time it's certified prior to the election. 
Can we just go through some of the significant changes from the new Local Government Act and from the election regulations, which have just been out for 10 days or so? What do yeah. you see as the most significant impact of, of those instruments? There's a number. Some are, are more administrative than others. But I guess in terms of... Um, uh, changes for potential candidates to be aware of. Um, I think the, the, the one uh, that we need to make sure that there's good awareness of is the requirement now for candidates to have completed mandatory training. Um, they, they're not eligible to be a candidate unless they have completed that mandatory training. Now, that training program is being put together by Local Government Victoria. Uh, there will be a number of sessions that uh, potential candidates can um, attend, and that will be a requirement um, prior to their nomination. So we are very aware that uh, that information needs to get to potential candidates um, across the board. We'd hate to think that someone turns up at the last minute to nominate um, for an election and finds that uh, they haven't done that training. So that's an important, important variation. Uh, the one that you touched on earlier, now we have a uniform um, election method. Obviously, that's significant as well. Um, the regulations, um, the, the personal statements that candidates now provide to the election manager for inclusion in the, the ballot package are now 300 word statements. So that's an, an increased number of words. Um, there's some changes to uh, enrolment, uh, you know, getting into some of the technical areas there in that um, those non-resident non owners uh, who weren't non-resident owners at the last election now have to apply. It used to be an automatic enrolment for them. So uh, our, our enrolment team and councils are working hard on that as well to make sure that those people understand um, that they now, now need to apply. And did I read that um, people 70 years and older are no longer automatically um, given the, the right to not vote, if I can put it that way? Has that been removed? Yes, it has. It has, yes. And, and that's now consistent with what applies for state elections as well. In terms of the information and the assistance that the VEC will provide to candidates, um, I think it's really important that we make the distinction between the mandatory training that you've just mentioned that LGV is rolling out and largely through an online um, module, as I understand it at last check. Um, you'll be doing some information sessions about the process, but it's not the mandatory training. Have I got that right? Absolutely. And that, that is a very important uh, distinction. So uh, we will conduct an information session for candidates, which guides them through the election process. Uh, the mandatory training is about being a counsellor um, yes. and, and some of those attributes. So this is about being, our information sessions are about being a candidate and the sorts of uh, responsibilities you have as a candidate, uh, the timelines you have to meet, uh, what are some of the, uh, the rules, the fences, those sorts of things. So the rules around campaigning uh, and what have you. So our information session this time, previously we've done local information sessions conducted by the election managers, but obviously in this environment, we'll be offering um, a recorded session that'll be available on our website. And that'll be followed up with some interactive online session 
sessions that use sort of the information from the online session. So, yeah, it'll be a whole new environment this time, but an important distinction. It's about, it's about the process. Indeed. And while not mandatory, it's advisable if you want to understand the process. But I, I love the way you put that there. So the, the mandatory training is about being a counsellor, the roles and responsibilities. Yes. The VEC information sessions are about being a candidate. Being a candidate. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You do some other things too, don't you? You prepare a handbook. I see there's a, a VEC voter alert system. Is that the first time that's been rolled out? For council elections, we've actually used it for some council um, by-elections um, very right. successfully. Um, and just to, to um, backtrack, so the voter alert system is an SMS um, email messaging system. I mean, I, a lot of people would have experience of reminders from their doctor's surgery or what have you about upcoming appointments. Yeah. So yeah. where people provide us with a, a, a SMS, a, mobile phone number or an email address with by their enrolment some um, they have the opportunity to opt in for a voter alert so we send messages to remind them to check their enrolment uh, remind them that ballot packs are being mailed out uh, or to remind them to get their ballot materials sent back. So it's you know, an, an, a number of messages through the election period just reminding people that the elections are on. Um, we used it at the state election very successfully and we found very high participation rates amongst those who um, opted to use the service. And I mentioned the handbook in passing, that's really putting all that information into a handy resource, which I'm assuming is all replicated on your website as well. Yes, it will be, Chris. It's, uh, the handbook, will, look, we strongly encourage uh, all um, intending candidates to, you know, to refer to the handbook. Uh, it's got all of the, the timeline information, um, all of the requirements to be a candidate, so what they can provide and when for inclusion in the ballot pack. Um, campaigning rules, uh, information that they need to know. So, yes, we'd strongly encourage candidates to do that. Now, that will be available uh, on our website uh, probably towards the end of July or early August. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll also provide copies and alert, uh, you know, the peak bodies as well so that they can... Uh, you know, promote that message with, with their members as well. Conscious I've kept you for a while, but two more things I just want to touch on with you, Liz, if you have another couple of minutes. One being how you get to those uh, diverse audiences that perhaps get their information in different ways, different languages, different parts of the community that uh, are perhaps more challenging to access. How do you manage your program for those people? Okay, well, again, COVID has, has uh, created a challenge there. I mean, traditionally, we've had outreach sessions where we get out into communities and provide education and, and services for those groups who um, are often under underrepresented in, in our elections and, you know, um, cold communities, um, the homeless people um, experiencing homelessness, um, even young people in terms of trying to, to, to lift that engagement as well, um, people with disability and Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander communities as well. So we, we do a lot of work um, in trying to engage um, them and so that they can participate um, and, and we can hopefully lower some barriers that they face to, to being involved. 
um, we have a, a team of democracy ambassadors who um, we recruit and who take, you know, education materials out into their communities, etc. And, and normally that's been done face to face. However, this time we are finding very creative alternative ways to um, engage um, in some cases online via social media. Um, we've formed a partnership with um, uh, Street, who is a, a group that are supporting people uh, experiencing homelessness mm -hmm. to get some message into meal packs, et cetera, that are going uh, going out to, to people in that situation. So yes, a lot of work's been done there and, and in a difficult situation, but um, it's thrown up the opportunity to be a bit creative. Terrific, great to hear about all of that. And the last one, and it's, and it's a serious one, and it's about the integrity of council elections and you know, all sorts of things get thrown up each time uh, that, uh, that people question about how, you know, some can, I guess, get around or try to get around the rules. How do you manage that? And what's the, the, uh, the, the arrangement with the inspectorate going to look like, do you think? Look, we have a, a strong partnership as well with the inspectorate, as, as, as many would know. Well, the inspectorate have responsibility for administration of, the, of those provisions in relation to the Local Government Act. But however, many complaints or allegations of uh, actions that may not be um, compliant with the law often come through our election managers or directly to the VC. So we work closely with Local Government Inspectorate and forward any of those to, to the inspectorate so that um, it's as seamless as possible and it makes it easy for people to, to raise concerns. So those are, are followed up in the main uh, with the inspectorate. Of course, other complaints that may come through the process may form it, fall into a criminal category or, um, yeah. or, or maybe about the way we're conducting the election and in which case that, that we would follow those up as well. But we've got a, a, a new um, or up updated um, complaints management system now so we can provide an avenue for some of that information or, or complaints to come through um, via our website. Good to hear, very important component obviously of running a successful, safe and um, proper elections. Liz, it's been great to talk with you. I, we could probably talk for half a day on these things, but that's a taster for people. Uh, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to electoral processes, I must admit, and I'm in the minority, I know. But uh, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and appreciate you giving us your time today. You as well, Chris. Thanks very much. We've been speaking with Liz Williams, the Deputy Electoral Commissioner in Victoria, about the upcoming council elections, which are due in October. Thanks for joining us on VLGA Connect and see you for another episode very soon. <music>